meatloaves, baby. Spaghetti and meatballs. No. <laughs> Is that what you're going for? That's not what I was going for. What I was going for was the achievement of a certain type of climate mm-hmm. known as Room Temperature Suite. Oh. I'm your once and future host, Chris Walker. And I'm your currently digesting a couple of hot dogs host, Santino. Those hot dogs were good, though. Tartaglia. They were good. Now we've got an extra sticky edition of the podcast for you this month. Coming up, we're going to talk about what's good in July. We'll play a story from the creator of Fecking Bahamas, the one and only Nick Hunter, and we address some other grab bag topics. But first... I want to tell you about some hot and tasty jams you may not have caught wind of in the month of June. Santino, do you remember Dexter's Lab? Yeah, I remember him both in the murderer form and the cartoon form. Uh, I never watched him when he became an adult. I sort of jumped ship when he was still uh, a child. Did that? Was that a only an American show? Dexter's Lab? <clears throat> yeah. I have no idea. I'm in America. That's where I saw it. <laughs> That's where I saw it, too. But one of my favorite parts of Dexter's Lab was his nemesis, Mandark. If why, you why, 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 why? It's a good in, joke for anyone who knows that. And, and in case you don't think that the Salem, Oregon band Mandark is named after him, I would advise you to take a look at the cover for Failed Experiments, which is their newest album EP thing, which definitely skirts the line of copyright law. I don't know... <laughs> How much you're allowed to use the images of someone else in your own commercial work, but this is—I feel like it's right on the line. How, how much is it? Co- what's it called? Mand? I'm gonna look it up. How much uh, does it it's cost? called "Failed Experiments" by Mandark. Um, it came out June 23rd. It's five songs. It costs five dollars. Is it on Bandcamp? It's on Bandcamp. Okay. And it'll be in the link dump for anyone that wants to check it out. Anyone that likes post Madonna, which I do, mm. I'm gonna—I'm gonna guess that you'll like this for. At least five days. That's it? Yeah. I think that's the baseline. You listen to it for five straight days and then either fall off sharply or listen to nothing else for the rest of your life. I actually really like Post Madonna too. Yeah. I think I, I've, been listening, I've been listening to it for years. Yeah. I think you'll I think you'll appreciate this one then. Sorry, I'm getting it up. <laughs> 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 oh, okay. Now that I'm looking at the cover, I can actually see what you're talking about. Yeah, is that okay? <laughs> like, at, at what point do things fall into fair use and, you know? I guess we'd have to get a lawyer on the show. I don't want to call these guys out. I don't want to make trouble for them by bringing a lawyer in here. What did you like from June? What was your pick? So my pick was, believe it or not, the same thing that I called out at the beginning. It was Shatner's bassoon. Uh, I listened to a few other math albums this month and mm-hmm. with everything else. Honestly, this was the one that stuck with me that I actually listened to the most. Oh. I actually fucking love it. Well, wasn't that your your upcoming pick from last month? It was. And it's I, rolled over. It rolled over, and it, it made sense for me. I mean, not that everything else that came out was bad. Yeah. It, wasn't, it wasn't like that, but this was the one where... I would go back to and I'd be like, I got to show this to my friend because this is unique and cool. And it actually outlasted the gimmick part of it that I'd like. Obviously, last mm. time I had talked about, oh, it's William Shatner. It's all about the way he does his monologues. Da, da, da. It outlasts that. It's actually just fucking good music. Sweet. 
Yeah. So if you're into kind of that like jazzy side of math, uh, definitely check this one out. I mean, last time I was only able to preview all the songs I could. Now that I've gotten to hear the whole thing, it's fucking dope and you should definitely get down on it. So yeah, that's two solid recommendations for that album. Yes. That means that if you haven't checked it out, then you are just, who, wh- who are you? <laughs> Stop. I think you'd be most people I know. Yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> I don't think anyone you told about it went to go like rushed off to to check it out. No, and that's kind of why I want to double down on it. I, I want to bring in this like Frank Zappa weird shit. Yeah, I think that that's that's what's lacking for me in today's music scene, mm. which we can get into later. But so there you have it. Go you right now. <laughs> pause this. Go listen to Shatner's bassoon and come back. And we'll have some more podcast for you. But you got you go listen. To, how long is it? Thirty minutes? No, it's it's four tracks, which I think uh, like a couple of them are over ten minutes. So, Ooh. yeah. So you're talking like maybe thirty-seven minutes. Yeah, yeah. So like we'll call it forty minutes. It's good stuff, man. Take a break. Go listen to that. Go ha- go grill up some some dogs. Listen to that. We did this. And just get your get yourself right. Get yourself on the right path. You know what I'm saying? All right, so that does it for our choice picks from June. But if our dear listeners are yearning for something to look forward to, something to pine for, a dim light on the horizon of their bleak lives, Santino, where can they turn? The first thing I would turn to is to really turn back the time, turn back the clock. Do you remember being in high school with me? Uh, yeah. Do you remember being in middle school with me? No. Well, back in the day, you and I are no strangers to listening to what a lot of us around here would call like a screamo music. So, yeah. yeah, something that I fell off of. So let me let me dive into Future Corpse, the album Culture Ruins Everything Around Me. So it's a, band from, it's a band from Australia, and I really wanted to bring them up because normally we don't talk about music that is so screamy, heavy, and da-da-da-da. So it's kind of the stuff that we did listen to back in the day, just to be flat honest. I don't even know if that music still has a market today. And that's the reason it's my pick. Because when I, if I had found this album at the time in high school, I probably would have fucking loved it. And I would have been jamming to it, and I would have been showing my friends, and I don't know if they would have liked it or not, but I like to think that they would have. Um, I'm excited to see where it goes in 2018. I want to know what the market is. I want to know how excited people get about it. Sort of the, the, the screamo post-hardcore market. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we wouldn't talk about it if it wasn't mathematical to some degree. Right. And obviously, like, it does all the stuff that I love. It's progressive and it, it changes a lot and it has it has a wide variety of things to hear within mm. the album mm. i mean i could only preview the two songs but yeah based on those two i was like this is probably what i would listen to back in the day all right we'll look forward to that one that's called culture ruins everything around me by future corpse yes sweet in the month of july there's a pretty big release that people probably know about already and this may come as a surprise to you if you're not in the know but Covet's got a new album coming out called Efflores. I'm that not comes in the out. Know. That comes out on July 13th. Well, you're about to be in the know because I'm about to tell you about it. All right. I don't know too much about it. I've only heard uh, the song they put out so far in the form of a music video, and I advise everyone to go check that out right now. It's called Shibuya featuring San Holo. Or maybe San Holo, and it has nothing to do with Star Wars. I'm I, not sure. I, who is that exactly? Who's this feature? Uh, I don't know. It's a good question. Okay. I didn't see this person in the music video. Oh. But okay. if you want to go check it out, on top of being just an excellent song, the video is really cool, too. It kind of, all the, the, the performers are wearing green man suits, but 
they superimpose stuff onto it, so they sort of do a reverse green screen thing. <laughs> okay. It's the the effect is really cool once you see it. It's awesome because they don't do that to their instruments and they don't do that to the backgrounds. <laughs> so it's just these sort of weird human shaped. Uh, moving patterns that are playing instruments out in various settings. It's really cool. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say that Covet is making green screen cool again. <laughs> I didn't think that green screen was bad. In fact, I thought now we're we're in blue screen, green screen, all sorts of screens. Really, <laughs> yeah. But it's just not it's just not cool. It doesn't have that sort of hip, young, sort of it factor anymore. And this is this is bringing it back. And also, if you want some some sort of weird connective tissue to the last episode, uh, I always do. This album will feature Mario Camarena of Chan again, popping up in the features. <laughs> Just like when when are we going to feature him himself? <laughs> are we gonna, we got to have him to tell us, "Hey, what's your list of features this year?" We want to get ahead of the game. That might be a new a new segment, Camarena news. <laughs> yeah. It seems like he's got the most Eventually, Chan's albums are just going to be like Chan featuring Mario Camarena. <laughs> Chan featuring Chan. Uh, so that's what we got coming up in July that we think you should check out. And with that, we've got a little blast from the past coming your way. It's something we haven't done since our inaugural episode. Nick Hunter talks about Don Caballero. Hello, Nick Hunter here again for another installment of Math Rock Archives. So a lot of people ask us about the name Fecking Bahamas and also the podcast name Room Temperature Suite. And pundits of classic 90s math rock will be quick to point out that these are references to the eminent math rock act, Don Caballero. So a common question that we get from people is, where do you start with Don Caballero? And that's surprisingly not an easy question to answer because the sound of Don Caballero has changed significantly across their time span. And so I thought for this Math Rock Archive section, I'd shed some well-deserved light on the Don. Now, before we start, we should acknowledge that this band comprises some of Math Rock's major game changers. You have guitarist Ian Williams, who now fronts the experimental rock act Battles, and you also have Damon Shea, an exceptional percussionist. So both musicians laid a lot of the groundwork for some of Mathrock's most prominent counterparts, angular guitar phrases, finger tapping, and irregular time signatures. These mathy motifs were around prior to Don Caballero, but it was these guys that really enhanced and innovated their execution and subsequently developed the genre. So it's 1991 in Pittsburgh, and Damon Shea is playing in the indie group The Speaking Canaries. Guitarist Mike Banfield was in a college band called Slag, and bassist Pat Morris was in a band called Northern Bushmen. The three guys start jamming together with a vocalist still pending under the name Don Caballero, taking their name from a Second City TV sketch in which Guy Caballero, a character played by Joe Flaherty, is made a mafia Don. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Guy Caballero. Caballero's the name. Owning SCTV's the game. <laughs> I'm owner and president. Don't you ever forget it. Ladies and gentlemen, we're proud to be... Now, the band never really got around to finding a vocalist, so they simply became an instrumental trio. They released two seven-inches in 1992, the Lucky Father Brown EP and Unresolved Karma Puddin' In My Eye seven-inch. And both these seven-inches were re-released as part of the singles Breaking Up Volume 1 compilation album in 1999. In 1993, two very important events occurred. 
The first was that Ian Williams joined the band as second guitarist, adding an extra layer to their sound. The second was that the band met the now eminent producer Steve Albini, who recorded their debut album, For Respect, released on Touch and Go Records. You'll no doubt agree that Don Cab at this time had a pretty abrasive style with a lot of focus on distortion. In fact, it's not too dissimilar from Breadwinner, our previous Math Rock archive installment. The style has continued in their 95 release Don Caballero 2, but with more emphasis on experimentation, both in Damon Shea's percussion and Ian Williams' lead guitar. And at this point, Pat Morris was replaced by Matt Jensik on bass. And it's also at this point that it's clear Don Cab didn't really give much of a shit when it came to song titles. With tracks like Please Tokyo, Please This Is Tokyo, and PPP Antlers, and Rollerblade Success Story. Despite the aggressive nature of their sound, the band clearly saw the lighter side of songwriting, and this kickstarted a legacy of truly strange song names across math rock. And I nod my hat to Giraffes, Giraffes, and the Bullet Tiger here. In 1998, the band were reduced to a trio of Banfield, Williams, and Shea, and together released an album very different in style. What Burns Never Returned saw a new type of Don Caballero. Guitar distortion was less pervasive across the album. Guitarist Ian Williams was experimenting with finger tapping and pedal effects. It's a really, really neat album. Around 2000, it was clear that the band was making a transition away from crunchier, aggressive sounds towards lighter, experimental math rock. America Don, the band's fourth album, kicks into life with several guitar tap melodies stacked atop each other with a looping pedal. In fact, tapping is pervasive throughout this album, both across the guitars and the bass, and it's easy to see the legacy of Don Caballero's style in tracks like You Drink A Lot Of Coffee For A Teenager, and A Lot Of People Tell Me I Have A Fake British Accent. And this shouldn't discount the extreme experimentation with rhythm. America Don sees guitar phrases constantly drifting in and out of time with the percussion, splitting melody and rhythm into dichotomies, and deconstructing the conventional idea and form of music. For many, this is Don Caballero's landmark album, the one that exemplifies the math rock genre, and it's hard to argue with. Punkasm carries these ideas on and sees the band incorporating a range of genres and motifs from indie to pop to post-rock. It's also notable as being the band's first foray into vocals. Yet across these two albums there is still a Don Cab brand on everything. Conventional melodies and pop motifs are so far removed from Don Cab's repertoire. Even the track that bears our name, Palm Trees in the Fecking Bahamas, contains all the tropes of beach music, but as a whole it's far from anything palatable or what you would even consider putting to radio. 
It's quite hard to know where to start because there's so much diversity across Don Caballero's records. But what's intrinsic to the band is their dense experimentation of rhythm and melody. This is what's consistent across all their records. So it really depends on what flavor or backdrop you want. If you like things heavy and dissident, start with Don Caballero too. If you're looking for something close to contemporary math rock with plenty of clean-toned finger tapping, try the seminal record American Dawn. If you want to stay in the indie and experimental rock realm, check out World Class Listing Problem or Punkgasm. Whichever road you take, be ready to expect the unexpected. I just wanted to thank you, the listener, for getting out there and giving us some ratings on iTunes this past month. For real, you guys are the best. But we're far from legit, so head on over there, rate us, leave us a review, do all that tedious bullshit that every internet person is always asking you to do because... Like, share, subscribe! You care about us, don't you? You remember the good times, right? Me too. But remember that if you crave human interaction, you can also engage with us on the Fecking Bahamas Facebook page. You can send us questions or ideas for stuff to talk about at our email address, roomtemppodcast at gmail.com. Or you can hit me up on Twitter at GaryOaksDad, underscores between those words, because we read all that shit, every word of it. And we are very vain, and we constantly seek validation. So... (laughs) Hit us up, let us know that that what we're doing matters, and then we can continue and not feel like our lives are spiraling into an ever-downward void that sucks all the goodness and light out of this universe. And tell your friends about the podcast. All right. Back to the show. I'm wrong. Did Nick get his doctorate recently? Uh, I'm re- really bad um, with sort of time and sequence of events, but it was recently. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say it was last year. I'm gonna say your man became uh, a doctor of geology mm-hmm. studies. I don't know why. I for some reason I thought it was maybe between this episode and last, or maybe no, it was no. the last episode. It was a while ago. Oh. It was a while ago, yeah. So so what I'm getting at is, can we just call him Dr. Nick? Doc. <laughs> like every time we have it's, to bring him It would up? probably be Dr. Hunter, I would assume. Probably oh, not Dr. Doc, but Dr. Hunter sounds like two titles. Yeah, it does. <laughs> which, is almost, <laughs> which is almost even cool. Or he's a Dr. Hunter, like he hunts doctors. Oh, shit. Yeah. So, <laughs> Dr. Hunter. That's a badass name. I, yeah, it is. Nick, Nick, when you inevitably listen to this... I hope that you fucking take this into your real world. Like, I don't know if geologists normally get called doctor or whatever. If you're a doctor of anything, yeah, you can always. I I was at a wedding this past weekend, and I I was hanging out with a bunch of uh, PhD students of, um, they're all pharmacists, but when I referred to one of them as a doctor, he went, no, 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 don't say that in case a real doctor hears you. I'm like, you're a real doctor. (laughs) You have the fucking paperwork. I have a $30 doctorate that I actually. He's a, a student, right? 
Well, they, they had graduated. They were oh. they had all grad. Uh, my friend's wedding. They are also a doctor, and all their doctor friends were there. They're all. So in, this person has a PhD, yes. and they're like, "Don't call me doctor." Yeah, they're like real real MDs hate that. It's like <laughs> real MDs. They don't have a fucking like. <laughs> yeah. They, it, they don't have any claim to doctor more than anyone else does. Yeah, they all oh, got their PhDs. I'm, I'm a medical doctor. We'll come, come up with a new name then. Yes, like surgeon or MD. How or, about physician? Or physician. It's like we're not going around calling these people physicians. Are all physicians doctors? Oh, shit. I don't know. <laughs> I guess I guess that leads it. Because I'm a doctor. I'm a doctor of divinity. Well. Spent $30 on it, but it's still true. So I, I could see it in that sense, but I mean these these are people who went to school for eight years and learned all sorts of crazy hard shit. Yeah, that's more work than yeah. either of us have ever done in our entire lives. Well, I I got a doctorate for thirty bucks. All right, <laughs> minimum wage at the time was roughly seven fifty. That's like is the website that sold you your doctor of divinity? Uh, let's call it a, a degree. <laughs> <laughs> Are they still around? Can you still go on that website? And, yeah, yeah, and... you can. Yeah, you can become a doctor of metaphysics too. Do you still have the? Did they give you a degree? Mm-hmm. You got it. I have it. It's in. Uh, it's over. It's behind me. I'm actually gonna get it framed when I take down all the stuff <laughs> off my walls and put up framed things. That's gonna be one of them. All right. Well, at the risk of insulting any doctor listeners any further, <laughs> yep. Uh, I'm gonna ask you if you've heard. I guess this is kind of a good. This is kind of a good segue because I want to ask you if you've heard of a certain armchair psychology theory that's popular on the internet surrounding music. So it's kind of like an amalgam of different studies and theories all put together. And the crux of the theory is that your musical tastes are sort of cemented during a certain period in your life, and you you experience this kind of freeze on what you like and the type of music that you listen to that will be the type of music you listen to for the rest of your life. And they say for males, it happens around 14 or 16 through like 24, and apparently it's like a different ratio for females. I, I haven't heard about this. Yeah, so this is sort of like, I don't know if it's make I mean, it's been making the rounds for a while, but it's kind of like it comes up every now and again, especially now that people are... Um, able to like dig in and analyze data. I'm gonna quote unquote big data from streaming services. Big data. Uh, so the most recent one that sort of brought this all back around again was a New York Times opinion piece from February 10th of this year, and they do a lot of different analysis based on Spotify streaming data. But one of their headlines is "Loved it as a teen, love it forever." And it basically boils down to their kind of thesis for this segment was that um, the most important period, this is a quote from the piece, the most important period for men in forming their adult tastes were the ages 13 to 16. And there's a bunch of different ones. And it's all like, I'm not going to say it's all bad science, but it kind of is all bad science. <laughs> like, it's all just, like, internet armchair, like, mm, yes, I have analyzed the data. With- I, I think I should I should come in right now and say that both you and I are not qualified to make any sort of real... So you and I also fall in the category of an internet armchair. Yeah, what I'm, what I'm asking is to sit down in your armchair and tell me if you think this is bullshit or not. <laughs> Well, let me let me tell you something about when I was yeah, lean, ages thirteen. You've now leaned back in your armchair and I've, you've you've lit a pipe. Sometimes a pipe is just a pipe. 
And sometimes it's not. Um, yeah, let me tell you about when I was 13, 14, 15, 16. Yeah. Uh, in that age bracket, I think I went through the most diverse changes in my musicality, right? Um, it's. I think at age 13, I was listening to almost exclusively Rob Zombie and Marilyn Manson. And then somewhere in there, I got into like Sierra Rose, Sigur Ross, depending on who I talk to, they all pronounce it differently, which led to explosions in the sky, which led to getting into math rock. And then by the time I was like 16, I think I had come full circle on the band My Chemical Romance because I remember being 12 and loving them, 13 hating them, like somewhere in there forgetting about them. And then by 16, I was like, nah, Three Cheers is a good album. Um, I still love Three Cheers. So there's that, but it's you're not going to see me go and turn on Rob Zombie, right? So would you say that? Now I don't know which like you listened to before you were a teenager, but would you do you find that in some way, not necessarily that you're listening to the exact? I mean, this this thing is saying, you know, the the songs you like and the artists you like at that age, you like those are the ones that you listen to for the rest of your life. Now I'm not because I I think that's totally bullshit, like. I'm trying to think of what I was listening to at 13. I, I didn't get into Kendrick Lamar until I was 22, and right now he's one of my most played artists. Right. And bear in mind, they're saying that this can go up to age like 24. Okay. So this could have okay. even, you could have just had your taste cemented up until age 24. Right. Like, do you see yourself radically changing what you listen to by the time you're 55? I want to say that I will be the same but better. I like to mm. think that. I haven't thrown it like I will still listen to Hanson, which. <laughs> Ooh, oh but, yeah. Oh yeah. Point being, that still comes on, and I'm not upset by it. And Marilyn Manson will come on, and I'm not upset by it. And I'm hoping mm. that when I'm 50, Kendrick Lamar will come on, and I won't be upset by it, or something else I've listened to. I, so I'm hoping I'm the same, but better. I have noticed that as I've gotten older, I've gotten more into classical and jazz. So I'm hoping that that will kind of circle back and feed into me exploring like the history of music more. Mm-hmm. I that That's like my fantasy. That's my dream. Now, it's funny you mention that because there are sort of some, a lot of these studies look at when you stop keeping up with popular music also. Mm. And I think for us, I mean, you know, I don't really keep up with popular music and I haven't. Yeah, to be fair, that's Really true. ever. So I don't know yeah. if, if we're a good sample for that, but... They also kind of break people up into different categories and phases of their life. And it's funny that you mentioned that when you're in your 50s, you'll be wanting, you know, you're like, oh, now I'm getting into more classical and jazz. And maybe that's what I'll move towards in my 50s. Because they're saying that you listen to more sort of aggressive music when you're younger and you're trying to find the boundaries of your identity and trying to find the the boundaries of the rules of culture and things. And then as you go on, you're looking for more sophisticated. Oh. These were sophisticated. <laughs> oh, so man. they're saying that teenage years were defined by intense music, early adulthood by contemporary and mellow, which I actually, you know what? I, I guess for that. me, yeah. so I've gotten way more into, like I can't listen to aggressive music the way I used to. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. still get down on it every now and again. Yeah. Um, but it's like once in a blue moon. But I typically go for things that are a little more relaxed mm-hmm. now. Um, but they're saying that um, as your life goes on and you reach more towards middle age, you're either looking to sophisticated music or, quote-unquote, 
unpretentious music, which is kind of things diverged <laughs> there. And I think I know oh, what, I think I know what camp we're gonna be in. <laughs> and they say like That's things awful. like things like unpretentious music would be like country music because it's very yeah folksy and it really there's no frills to it. And it's not pretending to be anything. And they say things like classical and jazz would be sophisticated music. Ooh, yeah. So I feel like I know a bunch of our friends who have fallen off into the. Every time I talk about our music, they're like, oh. In fact, oh, man, friend of the show, Crispy James, uh, sorry to call you out like this, but someone, the girl that you've started to see, she actually apparently was a classically trained musician who, when we asked her, hey, what's your taste in music? She went, I hate talking about it because I hate thinking about music and I love country music now. And, and she went into this whole thing about kind of exactly what you said, where her, her thing is she doesn't want the pretension. She doesn't want to think about it. She doesn't want to notice it, and she knows that it's just shallow and pandering, but she doesn't care because it's just fun to listen to, and that's all she wanted from it, which is a valid reason to listen to music. It's not mm. what I'm ever looking for, and hearing you say that definitely makes me feel more pretentious. So, Yeah. So, I mean, these are, these are two – so they're always sort of related, but these are two different studies. One was the – cementing theory that you know what you listen to at this period is sort of what you listen to for the rest of your life and the other one says that there are different phases that people tend to go through i mean i'm i don't know if it's just i mean yeah as as you get older your tastes for everything sort of change you you um, want to consume different kinds of media and hear different kinds of stories the movies you watch change the type of television you watch. I mean, everything you know. Sort I, did, of I didn't like tomatoes, and, and now I love tomatoes. Now you love tomatoes. Yeah. So I think send that me one... tomatoes to all of our listeners. Send me every tomato you have. And I think that we should throw this to our listeners now. Hey guys, if you guys have opinions on this or experiences or favorite albums that you loved and didn't love, whatever. You should tell us about it. You should hit us up on our Facebook or our email or whatever. Yeah, tell us what your favorite album was when you were 15 years old. Yes. And put that in the subject line. When I was 15, I loved, and then just an album, and that's it. Yeah. And then maybe in 10 years later, send us context. Be like, also, here's how I feel about it now. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. And then if we, I'm, I'm going to say, if we get enough of these, I'm just going to read them on air. Yeah. I just want to see how many people are like, God, I fucking love Radiohead. <laughs> bake sounds. There are a lot of bake sounds. And we're going to embed them here in the listener questions. Jeans, 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 jeans. So this month, actually last month, we we got a few questions that we actually wrote on air and had to cut. Mm. So we're going to represent them now because we have a different episode and we can actually do that because things get a little long sometimes. You and I could just talk forever. Hmm. Um, so last month, the question that I cut out strangely didn't come from a listener of the show but came to some from someone who listened to me talk in real life. Um, I was at a dinner party and my girlfriend's roommate's boyfriend asked me, why instrumental music? Mm. When I was trying to explain to him what math rock was. Mm. And that's kind of what I wanted to talk to because I... I mean, I would like to know your thoughts on it, but it, like in a one-sentence pitch, I feel like that doesn't do it justice because I don't think math rock is exclusively instrumental. It just happens to be that way. No, it's certainly not all instrumental. Um, I mean, I'm going to say, so we get a lot of submissions for, for bump music. Thank you, everybody who sent bump Thank music Thank y'all. Um, a lot of it had vocals. Yeah, I, um, I almost feel like half of it did. 
Yeah, and uh, I I trend more towards instrumental music uh, for my own reasons, but I don't know. I'd, I'd be interested to sort of look at, like if we took a look at um, uh, the World of Math section mm-hmm. on the website mm. and we compiled them all and said who has vocals and then who doesn't yeah. and sort of get a number. I think that would be an interesting thing to do. But, I mean, I'm going to say it's maybe 50-50 or even a little bit more split towards with vocals. I think more people have them than don't. So I, I feel like when it comes to the music I listen to, it's mostly instrumental when it comes to math stuff. Hmm. Um, and I've always believed, and l- l- maybe we should go into this. I, I don't have our website's official stance of the math rock history. And it means that we are going against the grain. We're not trying to do our four, four time signature. You don't want your verse, chorus, verse, chorus. And if we're just going to like call it what it is, vocals are like the only instrument that anyone gives a shit about anymore. Um, or at least a lot of people I talk to. Uh, I find that for me, the tone of an instrument is so important. But now it's almost like, and I and I could speak to this having worked there. In so, like I worked at a place where we recorded and tracked full band, and it was all analog and it was great and whatever. Da da da. But I have more friends of mine. I think I was the only studio they knew where we did that. Everyone else, they would walk in, things would get replaced, they'd be canned, it'd be electronic, and they didn't care. They were like, the song's there, it's fine. We just need the vocalist, and it's like. To me, that never does it. It never has. And I've always felt that math rock being born out of a kind of DIY sensibility and being born out of people who want to write music that's challenging and that you have to listen to and whatever. I find that this entire genre, whether it has vocals or not, has always stood out to me for being just something else, just something new that I can listen to, something interesting that draws a lot of inspiration from a lot of places, but is not... Like, I couldn't predict it. And that's always been the fun part for me, especially as an adult. And I get into the point where I'm like, nothing is fun anymore. I love being able to have something that I can't call out like 10 minutes before it's going to fucking happen. I want to put a pin in that because we might need to talk about your ability to call movies before they happen because that (laughs) shit is not typical to any other human being on the planet. However, (laughs) um, um, what I think about, you mentioned something about math rock being sort of left of center or or not the norm and that's one of its defining factors. Yeah. And I think what what instrumentality or or the nature of um music being purely instrumental or having vocals lends to that is that vocals are kind of the most populous instrument. Yeah. So it's something that everybody has and it's something that you immediately feel a connection to when you're listening to music like you can if you have the ability um to play guitar you can sort of in your head and through muscle memory follow along with a guitar part i would say right yeah Yeah. um but that's only if you have that sort of training built in if you just have a voice you can you can sing along right so it's something that that bear you know a few exceptions uh in keeping in mind um, most people can get down with. So I think popular music being so vocal heavy because it's meant to reach the most amount of people, it's the thing that most people can, can connect with. So if you're going for left of center, then instrumental music is just a shortcut to that. So, yeah. I mean, having vocals immediately, just from our own experience, having vocals playing in a band immediately makes you more popular. <laughs> Yes. Every, t- every time that you and I have played a show in an instrumental band, people go, when are you going to get a singer? Right. And it's something that uh, a couple episodes ago, 
uh, Wade mentioned yeah. uh, from Honey and Salt. He's yeah, yeah. like, you're immediately, your chances are just so much better if you have vocals. Yeah. And there's just something instinctive that people, um, you know, non-musically inclined people and people that aren't enthusiasts can just immediately, it ropes them in that much faster yeah. if you have vocals. It almost like puts a face on things. So I think that's part of it too. Uh, and that's part of why instrumental bands are so pervasive in enthusiast genres like this yeah. because they are already left of center and they're looking for something outside the norm. And right now, anyway, in the way it has been for decades now, vocals are the norm and vocal music is popular music. Yeah. Which I think kind of goes into the other. So you, you take a genre like punk or, or even even hip hop in its like infancy days. Like those were interesting new vocal styles, you yeah. know, screaming and yelling or, or, or just having a rhythmic way of saying it. Like I can see why in a time where that wasn't the norm, you know, that would be something interesting and refreshing where now just including just different instruments like when, when there's a band that has like an accordion or a bassoon to call back to the bassoon band from earlier like these are things that are awesome to me especially when they're played and recorded well it it it, it just goes it goes to show that there's more to music than just just it being fun and i think that that does it a huge disservice to just say i just want to be entertained because for me there's a lot more to be gained there yeah, I think I had this realization a couple of years ago when I was talking to a guy I worked with and we were talking about music and we were just not on the same page whatsoever. Mm. And it kind of came to me and I was like, well, how can I explain to him like why I like what I like? And I realized after I was like kind of turning it over because we had like a very just unproductive conversation about the music we liked. Like yeah. we just were not like on the same page at all. And I was thinking about it later, and I realized that we were having two completely separate conversations. Like, I was talking about really digging in and exploring music and and looking at it from a kind of like a, um, a, a super invested point of view where I was in it and I wanted to study it and know everything about it and hear all the little tiny nuances and everything. And he was just looking to have a good time. He's yeah. like, I just want I just want some music I can put on. You know, I'm cruising out on the boat. I just want to crack a beer and, and listen to some, you know, put on some Kenny Loggins or something. God. And I, that was it. Like, he just, he, it, to him, it was just, this is just, I, I want to be entertained. And I was like, I want to be in something. I think that if, we, we should never invite James to be on the show, right? <laughs> and, right. But he, he's told me this story now a few times that I, I he would want us, he would say it here if he was here. Uh, him also at work, they, they play music out loud. And he works an overnight shift. It's like 12 hours long. So there's always music going. Uh, very recently, he started feeling comfortable playing the music he likes, which he likes kind of the same stuff that we and our listeners would enjoy. And uh, someone walked into the room and they were just like, why are you playing three songs at once? Which <laughs> 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 is just like, yeah, all right, that's fair. As if to put a fine point on it. I yeah. think that's, yeah, I, th I think that's kind of it. Yeah, this coming from a man who plays in a top forties cover band, <laughs> and, and apparently, that's yeah, that's all you need. So we actually do have uh, a whole backlog of questions that we want to go through. Some of them are goofier. Some of them have really quick answers. Um, only because we aren't sure of the amount of time that Nick's story is going to be. We're trying to leave him time in our episode. So, guys, if you have more questions for us, especially if you have, like, a meaty one or if you do have done research and you want us to to give an answer on air, hit mm -hmm. us up. 
email us, give us the Facebook, all that stuff. Because and I think you have a Reddit thread going or something, right? Uh, there is a Reddit thread. It's kind of dropped off at this point, so yep. I may start another one. Okay. Um, but yeah, we have a lot of we have a big backlog of questions, but a lot of them are from like April. Like they're yeah. getting kind of stale because we can only answer so many. Like we can't right. just answer a bunch of questions at once. So. We're always looking for some new ones to get excited about. Yeah, so guys, just, just hit us up. Uh, sure. If it isn't my favorite part of the episode, Inbox Zero, baby. It's your favorite segment. Hey-o. I don't remember the sound effect we decided on. Last episode. I think that was it. I think it was you taking off through the clouds, <laughs> powered by going to the sun. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so let me tell you about the popularity of our podcast. It has reached at least one person who has found me on Facebook, added yeah. me, and then uh, used my personal inbox for Inbox Zero, which is probably in a different setting, not cool. But in this setting, it was honestly fine because it was one person, so it was really not a big deal. Um, so this band hit me up and another thing that we haven't talked about on the show is kind of like a a doom metal sound, which love that shit. I actually love it too. I don't know why we've never talked about it or brought it up. It's It's kind of, yeah, it doesn't really like fit it. I don't know if there's a lot of crossover. I hope there is. So that's where I like that stuff. That's where I'm going with this. Cause if, if you feel like the Dillinger escape plan is math, which I do, then, then I feel like where I'm going with this also has a spot, uh, for one, if you remember last episode, I talked a lot about my D&D sessions that I run. Uh, so this band hit me up, or this member of the band. Uh, the band is called Thought Eater, which for all you D&D people out there, isn't that a fun creature? You remember that from the Monster Manual. Um, the album Bones in the Fire. So this is a three-piece uh, Baltimore, Maryland band, which is in the United States, for anyone who doesn't know where that is. Um, they have this kind of like doom sound. And it's something that just deserves to be brought up because it has more of a metal edge than it does a math rock edge. But it's still progressive and it's still mathy. And honestly, this dude sent it to me. I didn't know what to expect. And I'm really glad I was actually able to really get down and enjoy it. Instrumental, uh, just like we were just talking about. Tonally, it is fucking rock solid. It is exactly what you would expect. If I said to you, hey, man, it's a doomy mathy album progressive that kind of thing and the almost the first or third ish tones that come into your head it's going to be there but it's going to be on the warmer side like the the drums don't have that like like thin crappy sound that you sometimes get with a, a metal band these are actually this seems like well thought out and well produced and it was enjoyable to listen to mm. um obviously i'm biased because they name themselves after a D monster um for anyone out there who's looking for something that's heavier, something that we haven't brought onto the show, here's a local band, man, that you could just go fucking support. These dudes, I mean, the guy was very nice and generous to me, and honestly, I'm stoked that he made my inbox zero a little easier because it came to my personal inbox. Yeah, you didn't have to sort through our Facebook inbox, which <sighs> is awesome. Uh, yeah, it, like if you've ever sent anything or known anybody that's sent anything to us on Facebook, it is probably the best way to get in touch with us, but holy shit that interface is like yeah. it, g- it gives me an anxiety attack just looking at it yeah if we, you never like managed a page that gets a lot of um traffic and a lot of stuff coming into your inbox it's like 
fuck. Oh, this reminds me. So one thing that I noticed last time was that uh, a man that we called... Damn it. <laughs> nice. My bad. One thing that I noticed uh, last month was that a man that we called Tiago, sorry, that we called Tiago. You called him that. Well, that may I be. Always, I always thought it was like uh, Iago from uh, Aladdin. Well, the point being, he, he told us how to pronounce his name. So now whenever I fuck it up, you can tell me how wrong I am, <laughs> which is interesting. Well, the point being... Yeah, man, we get a shitload of messages, and we do read them all. If not the two of us, then between the whole writer staff there, and somebody reads it. Someone reads it and does their best for it. Sometimes it doesn't work out, and that sucks. And that's why we have this. But also, thanks for sending it to my personal inbox, guys. That was a nice treat for me one day. Sorry, I was writing the outro to the show while you were recording <laughs> Fox Zero. That's fine. We uh, we work right down to the wire here at Room Temperature Suite. We sure do. Um, to make the best show we possibly can for you. Also because we both have a lot more to do. And sometimes sometimes we're both gone traveling for weeks or months at a time. Mine was purely traveling for pleasure. I went to Portland, Maine this weekend and just basically ate my way across the city. And it was phenomenal. Yeah, and I, I had to go. I, I don't even know where to begin. I haven't actually had. Today was the first day that I didn't have anything planned. And then we planned to do this. Yeah. And then it, it doesn't end. It doesn't end. But this is fun, though. No, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not fun. It's just, you know, trying to squeeze in more stuff in your schedule. It, it's just tough sometimes. Yeah. I and, and so I, I understand why you would have to finish writing the show while we're recording it. <laughs> I'm really not trying to judge you. I get it, man. Uh, but we are at the end of the show. Yes. And this is the portion of the show where we recommend some non-math albums for your listening pleasure. Try and expand your horizons. Get out of there. I always say that if you only listen to math rock, you probably math should not, you probably should oh. not do that. Uh, <laughs> I like my math cock joke. But, uh... No, you don't have to acknowledge it, I'm but the audience not, is going to have to. not going to acknowledge, not going to acknowledge that joke. Yeah, so uh, one thing that is, I'm looking ahead at the notes and I can see what you're going to say. Mm-hmm. I remember you listening to this the other day after we played a show. Yeah, so I, I'm i not going to say I rediscovered an album that, it's, I guess tying back into something, an album that came out when I was 18. Yeah, um, see, there it is. It's it, all coming back. Uh, so this album is Desperate Living by Horse the Band. Of course, the final album so far by Horse the Band. Maybe they got something else in the works, maybe not. Nobody can be sure. Um but this one came out in 2009, and I never went through a down period with this album. It is just perfect from start to finish. Is this the one that has New York City on it? No, that is um, A Natural Death, or A Natty D, as we call it. I'm oh, sorry. Um, I'm sorry. No, that's that's sort of the really heavy, heavy um, kind of metalish one where they got yeah. that that drummer that was just really trying to be like Thomas Pridgen or something, but he wasn't quite that good. Okay. And then on Earth Tour, they replaced that guy with John Carroll from the number 12 Looks Like You, uh, who's an infinitely uh, better drummer than that guy um, because he actually has, like, some soul. Wow. <laughs> Ouch. Jeez. Throwing shade. Jesus, um, man. But, no, then they got a they got a totally new drummer um, for Desperate Living who is a little more subdued but still very, very good. He just he mm. supports the... Uh, uh, I'm gonna say he supports the, the the arrangements of the songs a lot better. It's so, not in your face. So why should our listeners pick up this album? 
our listeners should pick it up because it is if you already like so it is complex and it's it's music that uses non-traditional structures and it's very progressive it's just something about it to me doesn't say math because it doesn't feel um studious in the way that math rock does um this is a little bit more uh it's definitely more aggressive it's it's in your face um but it is also very thoughtful um but in kind of a kind of a crass way it's it's kind of the best of all possible worlds like it it mixes everything i like about music to where uh it can be serious and you can really study it but you can also just have fun and there's a couple fun little goofs in there there's some laughs to be had uh it's just a phenomenal album from start to finish and the more you it's one of those ones where the more you listen to it the more little tiny things you hear every time like they just put so much work into the production of this thing that it's any given song you could listen to like i listen to um this album pretty much i mean at least once a year since 2009 um and i just heard in maybe the third track that there's like acoustic guitar that I never heard before. <laughs> it's just buried in there, and it's this little tiny bit for maybe, you know, four or five bars, and it, it blew my mind. So I had to bring that up. Go listen to it. It's one of my favorite albums of all time. Definitely Horse the Band's best album, and I think one of the best albums ever. I specifically remember you showing friend of the show Crispy James the the part of the album that you're talking about with the acoustic guitar. Yeah, he never heard it either. It's in there though, but it's one of those things that once you point it out, you'll never not hear it. Just like the phone ringing in the ocean by Led Zeppelin. Yeah, I can see that. So let me tell you about mine. Yeah, tell me about it. Okay, so this month I I also traveled up north. I went to Vermont though. I was staying in a land shul- of cheese. Land of cheese. I was staying in a house made of cheese, and I was listening to headphones made of cheese, and I was on uh, Bandcamp's new cheese app. Look it up. And I was I was going I I don't know how to explain this man I love soul music soul music is fucking awesome yeah that classic like church sound and I really wanted some but I was like you know I, I can go and look at classic stuff but I wonder what like modern is doing so I ended up on like this kind of spider web through Bandcamp as one does and let me tell you for one I ended up in the retro soul tag there's there's some good stuff in here for sure oh uh, white people come in to this tag and it's insane to me I think that it's only two pages long this whole tag so i listened to everything that was there yeah and it's almost a fucking joke what some people think is soul <laughs> it's 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 like <laughs> mind-bogglingly i why would you think this is soul this is just like shitty modern pop anyway so i found this this band i guess you'd call them called the magnificent tape band which as far as i can tell is really these two producers who actually do something else and they have this singer come in her name is Rachel Modest if it's being pronounced right and they released an album called the subtle art of distraction which is i guess it was all tracked analog it was all it's all to tape whatever mm. and it's if i played it for you it sounds like it's recorded in the 60s it's mixed that way it sounds that way um, it's not mathy at all all of the songs are kind of long they all have one maybe two chord progressions that kind of repeat and this girl just sings over it and she belts over it and the the opening song is called let the church say and she's just singing about her experiences in church the first song that i heard on it was actually the seventh track it's called black tiger and it's like this kind of sad little guitar riff it sounds like it was just sampled out of some real 60s shit it is not like anything i think that we ever talked about on this podcast ever 
and it's fucking awesome. I've I've actually never found soul that was modern that actually fed what I wanted out of soul, and this was the first time it's ever happened. So I needed to bring it up here. So is is that why you think our listeners should check it out? Just because it's so different from everything they're probably used to? Absolutely. And and if you like soul music, this is a good modern representation. Yeah. For the, it's the first time I found a good modern representation. And if you like soul music, give us a re- recommendations. No, really, I, do. I also like soul music, but I I it's one of those things where I don't know where to start. It's mm. like funk music. Like I I know I like it, but I don't. If I, if I I'm not gonna go on Google <laughs> and type in funk music and just find something good. So yeah. I, 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 I need someone to guide me through this. Yeah, please set us up with non-math recommendations. Yeah, totally. If there's like a good, and do, like, if there's like a good band that you legitimately think we'll like, don't just like send us some polka, unless it's really good polka. I mean, it could be fun. On the whole, polka probably not. It's it, gonna need to I, be a. It's gonna need I, to be a ten out of ten polka album for me to really get into it. I, I'm a huge fan of. The, these low, like the these like alto or lower female singers with these like kind of raspy voices who just fucking belt. That is some shit for me right there. You get that in my face, and they get some backup singers, you know, some like a little choir behind them. Who's like a popular artist that fits that that mold for you that I might know? Like to to hmm. put an example of the type of singer, like is like you're talking like Aretha Franklin. Yeah, yeah, it, it would be in that vein. Um, I, I, I'm not familiar with her that much though. Or totally whoever, whoever did the vocal solo on Great Gig in the Sky by Pink that, Floyd. That, yes, that is exactly what I'm talking about. And if Shame, you, I don't it, know who that is. I don't know who it was either, but that, that's a great example because I can speak to that because that solo is, that was the vibe I was looking for when I found this album. Oh shit. Yeah. So if you like that, then you'd probably like this. You go check it out. Yeah. There you have it listeners. I'm going to go check it out. You should go check it out. Check out. Horse the band also, if you want. Horse the band was dope, man. Do whatever you want with your life. Saw them live one time. I got choked out. Holy shit! I got. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember that? Yeah, I got. uh, um, I got thrown into a piece of like crowd control railing stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Hit my head real hard. Um, But I was fine though. far as I know. Room Temperature Suite is produced and hosted by Santino Tartaglia and me, Chris Walker. Nick Hunter is our managing producer. Our theme this month is the seven-inch version of Floorboards by Roz and the Rice Cakes, and our exit theme that you're hearing right now is Rocket Lightbox by Flight Cloud. Bump music this month provided by Macaulay Vulcan, Sketch Show, Abelia, Airships on the Water, Rob Ford Explorer, and Extrovert. Thank you so much for sending in your music, everyone. You can find links to those songs and everything else we mentioned in this show on the landing page at feckingbahamas.com seriously everything i link to everything we ever mention the the music related or not could be related to uh, popcorn or maybe it's related to ceiling tiles anything doesn't matter i spend a lot of time making this link dump that nobody ever looks at but if you go over to fuckingbahamas.com you can find our full catalog of articles interviews videos and tons of other content you can also hit us up with your ideas for the show or if you'd like your music featured between segments just like all those other bands i mentioned did at roomtemppodcast at gmail.com this episode was recorded in santino's basement in the best natural casing hot dog having state of Rhode Island.